Injuries are piling up at Chicago Bears training camp, leaving some to question, are Matt Eberflus's practices too hard, too intense? Is that what's causing this problem? I think it's a little bit more complicated than that. You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Bears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook. Join the Locked On Bears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. And make sure you hit that subscribe button on the Locked On Bears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. Thanks for making Lockdown Bears your first listen today and hopefully every day. On the show, we round up some of the Bears' injury situation at training camp. A lot of guys missing practice at, at a couple of positions in particular getting hit hard, but certainly nowhere are they immune from it on the roster. And we'll look at, okay, this what does this mean for Matt Eberflus and the way he's running practice? Is he doing something? Is he pushing these players too much? Are these practices too intense? Is that leading to these injuries? We'll kind of compare to what we're seeing with other teams around the NFL and some of the 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 downsides of these injury situations. And and my maybe maybe we don't need to be as concerned as you might think, especially when you compare it to some of the other things you're seeing across the NFL. And in particular, I want to look at another first-year head coach having a few issues of his own at training camp. But let's let's lay out the Bears situation here first, because when you see and hear and read the injury list, it's not <laughs> encouraging in any way. It's quite a who's who of starters and key rotational players not out there at practice. And unfortunately, none of it has involved Justin Fields up to this point, but if you just look at like for practice on Wednesday, yesterday, this was the list. Uh, Kevin Fishbane from The Athletic tweeted out, I'm surprised he was able to fit all of the names in one single tweet. But to give you a, a smattering of some of the headliners there, rookie cornerback Kyler Gordon, rookie wide receiver Valus Jones, wide receiver Byron Pringle, wide receiver David Moore, cornerback Duke Shelley, cornerback Kendall Vildor, cornerback Tavon Young, cornerback Thomas Graham Jr., running back David Montgomery. Tight end Cole Komet, defensive tackle D'Angelo Angelo Blackson, excuse me, and of course like the center Lucas Patrick, and a bunch of other backups. I, mean, I don't need to read every single name on that list, but we're looking at you know a, a solid 20-25 guys not participating in Bears training camp practice. A few of those, like Lucas Patrick, Byron Pringle, we know are a little bit longer term injuries. You know this list doesn't even include uh, Nikhil Harry as I'm looking at it now, who also is not participating in practice. Maybe Kevin Fishbane couldn't fit everybody on that list. But as I was going through some of those names, I count one, two, three, four wide receivers, plus Nikhil Harry would make five, even though he's not physically listed on, on this list right now. And also five cornerbacks missing. All three of their top tight ends, Cole Komet, uh, Griffin, and, and O'Shaughnessy as well, absent from practice. Plus, you know, a couple of a safety in there. And David Montgomery, a big, a big missing in action at running back there. Fortunately, the offensive line seems to be a little bit more healthy and back in practice at this point, but that's a lot of players not participating. It leaves them pretty bare-boned at wide receiver and cornerback in particular. We heard about uh, Isaiah Coulter and Chris Finke and Kevin Shea getting some 
more reps with the the starting wide receivers. I mean, those are not guys that we would expect to make the 53-man roster, but are getting some opportunity to show what they can do and, you know, certainly battle for practice squad spots. And at, you know, at cornerback in particular, you're really getting down there with guys like uh, Jason Stanley and Bo Pete Keys and, and the rookie Jalen Jones getting in there in the slot, working with the first team. Like some of these guys are getting some some great opportunities that they wouldn't have gotten otherwise. But at the same time, I would imagine it's it's greatly hamstringing the Bears' ability to evaluate their roster, right? So much of this right now is not only figuring out who's going to make your 53, but also how you want to sort the depth chart. And wide receiver is one of those wide open positions, but right now you got Darnell Mooney and Equinemius St. Brown is your only two like top healthy contributors. And then then it's been like Daz Newsom has been kind of the new three with everyone else injured. And Tajay Sharp has gotten some reps in there, but it's it's tough to get a sense for which of these wide receivers are going to emerge when they're just not practicing or when the Bears are trying to figure out who's going to be their slot cornerback and who's going to play on the outside and what your backups are going to be. Well, all of your top options in the slot are, are not practicing there. Kyler Gordon, Duke Shelley, Trayvon Young and Thomas Graham. I mean, that's those would be like your four slot options right now. So you're on slot option number five. Doesn't necessarily give you a full sense of what this cornerback depth chart is going to be either. So there's there's some real potential harms here to the or being caused by the injuries. None of the injuries seem to be significant. You know, the Bears have not had anybody that's suffered an injury that's going to be out for the whole season or anything like that. So that's good and encouraging. And the only longer term or I guess middle term length injuries is Lucas Patrick with the broken thumb and Byron Pringle with the quad and, and Nikhil Harry with the high ankle sprain. Those are important and I don't mean to gloss over how significant those can be, but perhaps at least Pringle and, and Patrick are expected to be back by week one and hopefully then shouldn't be more of a, a longer term issue there. So they have been relatively on the minor side and that's all good for them getting back quickly and this not being you know, a, a, an issue just yet that's going to linger into the regular season, but it's it's going to be harder for Justin Fields to get on the same page with some of those players and for this defense to gel and kind of get to know everybody. And you wonder if, to some extent, if that leads to some of the struggles that we've seen at practice as well, where it's just like so many guys going in and out of lineup. For a while, it was on the offensive line. That group seems to be a little bit more steady now. Now it's at wide receiver and cornerback and, and tight end too. That's brand new players for fields to be throwing to, brand new players to be blocking and picking up their assignments in these different play calls. You can see where not, not only was there already a lot of moving parts entering training camp with new players, but now even the new players you were just getting used to are getting replaced by backups because of the injuries going around. So the injuries are a problem. I'm just not sure how much of it we can directly blame on, you know, really intense practices from Matt Eberflus that we keep hearing about. What kind of dive more into this this idea of, you know, high-energy, high-intensity practices and, and compare it to some of the things we're seeing from other teams in the NFL next on Locked on Bears. Locked on Bears podcast is powered by our friends at Built Bar, the makers of the world's best-tasting protein bars ever. They keep coming out with a bunch of delicious flavors. I just ordered a box of Pina Colada Built Bars. It's going to have real pineapple in it. I haven't had it yet because it's still on its way, but coconut and pineapple, I am a sucker for those. Every flavor of Built Bar is covered in 100% real chocolate. They're soft. They're easy to chew, but they're good for you. Low sugar, low calories, but high fiber and high protein. It is an elite combination of taste and nutritional value that I've not found in in any other protein bar product or any other real food product that hits both of those for me 
so well. It satisfies that sweet tooth without the guilt and the extra sugar and calories that you just don't need. You got to try them for yourself. Head on over to Built.com, enter in our promo code LOCKED15, and you're going to get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. I didn't do the math on the Bears roster, but it feels like they're about 15% off of their 90-man roster. I think actually it probably is a little bit more if you because that, that's over 20 players. Regardless, the Bears are uh, missing in action quite a bit, and it's easy to start to hit the panic button a little bit when you say, like, holy moly, they don't have wide receivers or cornerbacks at practice. At least to some extent, you're not getting, like, the the injuries at, like, one position and then the opposite position can just dominate them. At least you're getting backup wide receivers against backup cornerbacks with the starting lineup. And maybe that speaks to something specifically happening at that position. But the offensive line was getting hit by it earlier on, and now the tight ends are. So I don't think it's, like, specifically, oh, it must be that the wide receivers and the cornerbacks specifically are going too hard against each other and everyone's getting hurt. Because it's not like they're, you know, collectively getting hurt like in the same, at the same time against each other in these battles. But so, and I think it's important to kind of keep in mind that this is training camp. This is a higher frequency and intensity in general of practice for any regime compared to how practice will be in the regular season. You know, regular season, you get game on Sunday, you're off on Monday, you usually like practice Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or sometimes a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday with a Friday walkthrough and play again on Sunday. In training camp, you're not practicing seven days a week, but you're practicing more than three days a week, right? Sometimes it's five, sometimes it's not always, you know, five in a row. It's not like five on and two off like a weekend, but it'll be, you know, you might go two or three in a row with a day off and then two or three in a row with a day off. And sometimes the pads are on and sometimes they're not, but you are practicing quite a bit more and you're pushing things a little bit more. You're trying to test that conditioning and get things ready for the regular season. And so it's a a fairly universal experience for NFL teams that they suffer training camp injuries at a higher rate than you tend to see in season because the emphasis is more on physical preservation when it comes to in-season practices as opposed to now where it's more about physical preparation. And yes, the list that the Bears have is long and I would say abnormally long. It, it's concerningly long, but the Bears are not the only team in the NFL with a fairly long list of injuries that they're dealing with for this upcoming season. It's it's really a, a, a not a league-wide issue because there's always going to be a, a spectrum, but look around the Green Bay Packers, for example, have had plenty of injuries and guys in and out of the lineup at wide receiver. So far, I mean, Christian Watson, their rookie that they drafted in the second round, been on the physically unable to perform list. Sammy Watkins has been kind of in and out. Randall Cobb just went out with a, some kind of foot or ankle injury, and they've been getting you know their seventh-round pick and their fourth-round pick in more on offense in some of those situations. They haven't had either of their offensive tackles or their top tight end all on the pup list. They've had some guys rotating in and out at running back with injuries there in Green Bay. Like they've, they're missing some significant players too. Or you look at the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, you could go team by team here if you really wanted to, but the Packers and Eagles are the two that have kind of come across my radar. The Eagles don't have Jason Kelsey, their center. They're missing Boston Scott in the backfield, Devonta Smith, the wide receiver, Jaquiski Tart, the safety Greg Ward at receiver, LaRaven Clark on the offensive line. Like, not all household names, but like, oh, plus Andre Dillard and, and Jordan Mulata as well. Like, their offensive line is missing some pieces too. It's not a thing that's exclusive to the Chicago Bears. And, and that's why that's why I don't feel like it's some 
issue with Matt Eberflus's practices in particular that you know that he's working these players so much harder than every other team and that all of a sudden then as a result the Bears are going to have more injuries as a result. I just think he is pushing them and we heard last week, you know, Cole Komet and other players talk about like one of the practices they had was like the most physical difficult practice they've had in their careers. But it wasn't as though that practice caused 10 injuries or something, right? They, they weren't all dropping it like flies in the most intense practice. Maybe there's something about them, you know, working extra hard at practice and being a little bit more tired and a little bit more exhausted. And when you're practicing a little bit more tired, then perhaps you're less likely to have, you know, to, to be like full, so full coordination, full balance. You know, when your legs are a little bit tired, maybe they're not quite as firm or reliable or, or exactly where and how they need to be. And so you might be more likely to, to slip or to, to put your foot in the wrong place or to have your arm in the wrong place. And just, you know, one, one way or another, you, you could see where being a little bit more tired, a little bit worn could lead to slightly more injuries, but it's not something that's exclusive to the Bears. And I think at the same time, it's something that the Bears need. You know, it's something that this regime wants to instill. It's part of putting this culture in and establishing what what the Bears practice intensity is supposed to be and to raise the standard in Chicago. And as long as it's not something that's causing, you know, major long-term injuries or, you know, something crazy beyond what other teams are seeing. But I, I really don't think it might be on the higher end, but I don't think it's an unprecedented injury situation as a result of Matt Eberflus's practices. Plus, I also think this time of year, they're also willing to be a little bit more like precautionary in terms of keeping guys out of practice in this type of way, because some of these guys don't, you know, like it's, it's not as important that they're out there as it would be like on a game day, for example, like in, in, in a regular season, if, if you go to this list of injured Bears players that are all pretty much day to day, they don't need to be practicing right now. But if there was an important game being played on Sunday, I bet a lot of them would be able to play. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know that to be a fact, but I would just imagine given how some of these guys just missed practice for a day or two and are back in there. It's not like this list of 20 players are all just toast for a while and not going to be able to practice for a long time. It looks bad when they're all stacked up together like this, but if half of them or whatever are a day or two away from returning to practice and being good to go, then it's not largely, uh, you know, a disaster waiting to happen here. And that's, that's where I come back to, I think, with Iberflus's practices here. It's just, it seems to be part of the normal training camp process where physicality is just amped up for everybody. Every team has some of these same injury experiences. And as a result, you know, it's going to rise and fall during parts of training camp. And we're hitting one of those peaks at this time of the preseason. I also think it's, there's some value in, in establishing some of this physicality and this intensity in a way that, you know, gets the culture set in Chicago that not every team is having as much success with. We'll, we'll kind of compare what the Bears have done with Iberflus to what we're seeing with another first-year head coach on another team having a little bit more trouble getting that culture knocked out just right next on Locked on Bears. It's not always fair to just do a one-to-one -one comparison between like what's happening with the Chicago Bears and what's happening with other teams around the NFL. But I couldn't help but notice the other day, another first year head coach trying to set his culture and saying some of the similar things, maybe not in the exact same ways as Matt Eberflus, but talking about wanting to raise the standard and, and, you know, be the tone setting type of team that they want to be at practice. 
and maybe having some more issues instilling that culture in ways that I don't think we're quite seeing the same with Matt Eberflus. We're getting, we're hearing about a lot of buy-in from Bears players, and that's, you know, of course they're going to like say that and try and say all the right things, but it's really measured like on the field, and we can't always get a, a full image of like how well everyone is, is checked in, but I do think we can we can compare or more so I guess contrast to another situation where the message might not be getting hit home as well, and that's with the New York Giants and, and Brian Dable, uh, a head coach that a lot of Bears fans were interested in having as as the Bears coach, having seen him coach Josh Allen as the offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills, bring him to Chicago, have him try and do that with with Justin Fields was encouraging. And as we to kind of caveat this as we go through, none of this is to say like, oh, look, Brian Dable is a bad head coach and destined to fail in New York. But there was a situation at Giants practice last week that got quite a bit out of hand. And it didn't, it wasn't just the players. It was the a coach, but reflects then poorly on the coaching staff in general when it's not only the players, but then also one of your coaches also ends up involved. I I saw there was a report from Dan Dugan from The Athletic who covers the Giants. His his tweet said, we had a major fight. I think this was, uh, no, I think it was at the start of this week. I was thinking it was last week, but it was at the start of this week. Started with John Feliciano and Tay Crowder. Cam Brown dragged Feliciano out of the scrum and offensive line coach Bobby Johnson pushed Brown. Then Feliciano punched Brown in the head, and Dugan said he had never seen a coach do that to a player. It's kind of one of the cardinal sins here is for a a coach to put his hands on a player, or vice versa, really, but especially the coach being the mentor, the leader, the, the example setter, the one in charge, the one with the power and the dynamics putting it on the player who's supposed to be the student and, and you know, sort of the lower in the power dynamic. It's especially bad, you know, like in youth sports, you cannot have a coach put a hands on a, on an actual child. At least in this case, it's it's grown men and it's like offensive and defensive linemen. So like there's a little bit of something there. But as you dig into a little bit more of the reporting around this, this Giants fight, I guess just think of it in contrast to the sort of lack of these types of things we've seen at Bears practice. There was... Uh, I think it was during OTAs, there was a brief little scrum between an offensive lineman and a defensive lineman, but it wasn't to this extent, and it didn't involve a coach pushing a player in in his own practice. Like, look, from what I was reading in that practice on Monday, you had a play where Saquon Barkley ran over one of their cornerbacks, and then a linebacker started getting into it. I think it was Crowder started getting into it with another running back, and then later on, the, the center, Feliciano, was like kneeling or kneeing Crowder on the next play and then the fight sort of erupted there. So it was like multiple plays started building up over the course of this practice by kind of back to back to back to back until it erupted in this fight where the linebackers grabbing the offensive lineman and dragging him out of the scrum. It sounded like there was as many as like 50 of the players all got into this big, not that everyone's throwing punches, can't call it a brawl, but like you think about like in baseball when the bench is clear, where it's not like every player on the field is, is throwing punches, but they're all sort of gathered around. Well, you know, a handful in the in the middle there are trying to are tr- trying to get some action in there. But then the offensive line coach pushes the linebacker after he had pulled on the on the offensive lineman, trying to defend his player, I guess. But you just you, you don't do that, right? That's not something a coach should do to a player, especially when you're trying to establish a culture. And set the tone, and like maybe that's the the Giants trying to say, oh, we're, we're, our practices are going to be intense, and we're physical, and we care quite a bit. But that's just not 
what we're seeing from from Matt Eberflus. And that's part of why I'm not concerned about the intensity of practices. Like if they were really ramping it up and they were having these fights because these guys are just going rabbit out there and because and, the fights and stuff can lead to injuries. And if but if, if they were in an environment where that intensity was also leading to a lack of discipline, because that's what that's what this kind of comes down to to be. It's discipline for the offense for the players and also the offensive line coach. And Eberflus's practices seem to be a bit more disciplined. They're hard on the players. They're pushing them to run and sprint and do all of those different things. And they're then they're not letting anybody kind of get off, like, you know, get off easily. Like the, early on at practice, there was a lot of reports that you could pick up of Matt Eberflus yelling at Eddie Jackson. Hey, Eddie, run, sprint, get to the next drill, like run. Like they're pushing the veterans, the rookies, whatever, to, to reach this standard. But there's a certain respect and discipline that Eberflus seems to be emphasizing. He keeps coming back to that term respect quite a bit throughout this process, not only about Roquan Smith, but just about this whole offseason and getting players to buy in is that first and foremost, there there needs to be a mutual respect. And it would seem to me that when players like at Giants practice are getting into a fight, dragging each other out of a scrum and an offensive line coach pushes a linebacker and then an offensive lineman punches that linebacker in the head, that seems to be lacking in some respect like you can have trash talk you can have intense back and forth moment and guys getting each other's faces a little bit but there could still be a a respect behind that of sort of like a you know you're, sta- you're standing up for yourself and your teammates and stuff but you you know you're making sure that they respect you and you respect each other but like to be throwing punches against your teammates in a training camp practice and have the coach involved also in in pushing and getting players out of there is it seems to be lacking in, in something like that. Again, I don't I don't want it to be like, see, Brian Dable's a disaster and the Giants are screwed and the Bears were smart not to hire him because maybe he could still be a, a solid head coach and a great offensive mind and all that different stuff. But I think it speaks to the culture success that Iberflus is having so far. That that not that he's doing everything right and the Bears are doing it in the ideal way, but that they're they haven't had the types of negative situations, discipline issues, and blowups that we're seeing a team like the Giants. And I don't mean to just pick on the Giants here. That's just a, a concrete example of where you're seeing things happen that the Bears are not experiencing that reflects more positively than on the Bears as a team that's establishing something correctly from a culture. There's a lot of buy-in, offense and defense, of this coaching staff, of this regime, of their system, of the actual relationships between players and coaches. And even like the Roquan Smith thing it has nothing to do with the relationship or the culture between the players and the coaches. That's purely a contract situation and a front office thing. Tevin Jenkins, there was reporting that it was a clash with the coaches, but he legit, like straight up denied that aspect of the situation to the media. We don't know whether he was telling the truth or not, but he denied that there was a clash of coaching. So like for the most part, everyone seems to be on board with everyone that's still here, <laughs> seems to be on board with what's been going on with this coaching staff. The buy-in has been there. The respect has been there. So far, the discipline has been in there. And, you know, time will tell if that's going to reflect on uh, positive wins on the field in a way that, like, again, do you compare, like, Dable and the Giants' wins to the Bears' wins? No, because the rosters are going to be in different spots, different compositions, different quarterback situations. I mean, there's there's a lot of different spots where these teams are going to differ and diverge, and it's not just going to be a reflection of, you know, the culture that the head coach has been instilling. But that's at least full steam ahead for Matt Eberflus. The injuries are a concern. They're they're peaking at a, at a height that is higher than you would want it to be, but not 
drastically and extremely different than other teams in the NFL might be dealing with, while he's still able to have perhaps more intense practices than other coaches, considering these players are saying it's the most intense practices they've had in their careers, but that's not necessarily the cause of these inflated injuries. Some of that's just a product of being back at training camp, trying to callous these guys a little bit more, get that physicality built up now, so then you can tone it down in the regular season and just make sure guys are ready for game day to play their absolute best. Certainly, if there are any major injuries, you can be sure we'll keep tabs on them for you right here on the Locked On Bears podcast. So make sure to hit that subscribe button to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today and hopefully every day. If you're looking for that second listen, we added another podcast to the Locked On Podcast Network here for you college football fans from Evanston or with ties to Evanston. Locked On Northwestern is the newest Locked On Podcast Network podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. We do plenty of that with all of their college schools, plus Bulls, Cubs, White Sox, Blackhawks. Lockdown Podcast Network has you covered. So when you're done with Lockdown Bears, go check those out. Come back tomorrow for more Lockdown Bears and yet another opportunity to bear down.